you can grow it organically. You don't have to rely on ads, but if you do use ads, the best way to do it is just to have a landing page. Like, um, I've had a few people come in. I'm not an ads expert, um, by any means. Um, and so I've had a couple ads experts come in and do trainings for my clients that I put into the portal for them, but they were telling me and telling my clients that, you know, it's pretty reasonable. Like when you're starting out, if you're running ads to your group to get the conversion rate to get people inside the group at about like five to ten dollars. We've noticed that the two biggest issues that entrepreneurs have on social media is getting their voices heard in the first place. And then once their voices are heard, deepening the relationship with the people that hear them. Listen, the best way to do this is with Facebook groups, with starting your own community. Uh, and today, Sierra Lewick is going to be helping us through that. So whether you've had a Facebook group and are struggling right now and don't know what to do, or you really want to start a Facebook group and expand your community, this is the episode for you. I really think you're going to enjoy it. There's a lot of gems in here. Um, I know the end of the conversation, it really changed the way that I'm approaching my own Facebook groups. Uh, a shameless plug here. Don't forget about the hierarchy, the entrepreneur's hierarchy of needs Facebook group, uh, where we can talk about the show and stuff like that. That's going to be getting an overhaul based on this conversation. And I'm really excited to do that. And I hope you hope you really enjoy this conversation. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Hierarchy of Needs podcast. My name is Tim Palladino, and this is the show for entrepreneurs who want a higher value life and business. It says we're recording. Gonna leave now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Sierra, welcome to the Entrepreneur's Hierarchy of Needs. It is so uh, excellent to have you. Um, we got to meet briefly on another show on our our fun little uh, game show that we host. Um, and now we're gonna get down to business. Before it was all about the fun, and now we're gonna we're gonna learn a little bit from you. We're gonna learn. Uh, we're gonna demystify, if you will. Um, I really like that term. Demystify Facebook groups and how to really make them valuable. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited for this. <laughs> so I saw you were globally ranked. ranked into the top 10%. So I think that that's really cool. Love your podcast. Guys, guys, this is news. This is news. I, we, I should say, are ranked in the top 10% globally of podcasts. That blows my mind. That definitely blows my mind. This is a relatively early uh, or infant podcast. So that's, that's more than an honor. Um, blows my mind. Um, so yeah, it's because we have awesome guests like you and, and monkeys like me asking good questions. <laughs> so, right. so jumping right into it, what do you think the first mistake is that people make when it comes to creating Facebook groups? Well, so, um, when you first invited me to be on the podcast and you were talking to me about the mm -hmm. entrepreneur's hierarchy of needs, um, I thought it was really an interesting, an interesting concept, first of all, but, um, the idea behind, um, going online, bringing your business online mm -hmm. is it's like, it's this huge, there's a, there's kind of a stigma around it where people are, they're worried that they're going to be spammy. They're worried that people don't want to be sold to They're They're worried about being salesy. Um, and, and they're losing that, like one of the things that people are desperate for online, because especially with COVID happening this last year and so many things being shut down, like a lot of people are still like, they've found that the best thing for them is to just stay home. And so the biggest struggle that I see is that people are desperate for real connection with other people, desperate mm -hmm. for real relationships. And one of the reasons why a lot of people turn away or shy away from social media or running their business online is because they think that there's no way to make that real connection. And so um, mm. the thing that we do inside of groups, um, there's a lot of, I have, I have competitors, you know, every niche has competitors, but yeah. essentially I feel like I'm kind of in a blue ocean because all of my competitors, they're just selling and they're just using yeah. it as part of a funnel. What we're actually building is a community where people get to connect with each other because of our brand or because of my client's brand. Um, the goal is to actually help people build real lasting relationships that make them want to stay inside the community longer. Um, kind of like how Facebook built their platform to get people to stay on there, but mm -hmm. they're helping people generate real relationships. So um, I could tell you a funny story here in a little bit about how my husband and I actually met online um, over 18 years ago. So 
Um, and we've been married now for 17 years, but I, it was built off of an online relationship. And so I know firsthand it is 100% possible to build those real connections and real relationships and get some really great collaborations, clients, business, all of that. That's, that's good. That's good. And I, I do see the same thing. I definitely echo what you're saying about people just, just make it uncomfortable immediately with the cell and they don't try and foster a relationship. Um, one of, one of my Facebook groups, I have a couple and I kind of did them just for fun because I needed somewhere, somewhere to have convers certain conversations. And one of them, all it is, is asking objective questions. I just put it out there and it's really, really cool to, to just watch people from all these different walks of life, people that I have, I've never met in my life, people I grew up with, my parents are on it. Like, it's really interesting just to watch them all kind of bond over, over something that, that you've created and not necessarily, and not bombard them. Cause a lot of, as, as you said, a lot of people, they put their dukes up and they, 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 they put their guard up and it gets, cause they just expect to be sold. And, and they, if there's a difference between trying to sell to someone at some point, um, and cause this is a, this is something we are going to monetize because funnily enough, they've asked me, Hey, where can I get these? You know, we're going to make little question cards and because it was, you know, by demand. Um, and it's really cool. So funnily enough that they will ask you for things like, Hey, you've taught me so much, or if you just deliver value, I've noticed that's where I get the better ideas, not the things that I come up with, but the things that are asked for. Uh, yeah, that's actually, um, so last year I jumped on the team with traffic and funnels for about four months, um, while I was still building my own business and helping communities. Um, but I helped out with one of their programs called client kit. And during that time I helped coach more than 200 people on their avatar and offer. And one of the things that I recognized when people were building out their offer was that, um, hold on, go back to the thing you were saying just a second ago about, okay. Okay. Sorry. I got it now. <laughs> I lost it for a second, but, um, when people are building out their offers, they always, they always think I have to build it first and then I will sell it. And then if it doesn't sell, then I'll try building something else, which wastes a ton of their time. It wastes yeah. a lot of their resources. It wastes a lot of effort too. And so we always coach people like build out the concept for it, go pitch the concept, sell the concept, and then create it as you go, because it's going to shift and change as you're working with people. You never want to build the offer and then sell it. You actually mm -hmm. want to, you actually want to sell it first because, um, and, and I think that this is, um, my husband, for instance, has been wanting to create his own offer, but he's also been feeling a little bit disconnected because he's afraid to build something and sell it or to, to actually sell something before he builds it. Like he feels like he's selling a lie. Mm -hmm. And um, it was one of those mindset issues where it's like, um, we actually sat down with a group of entrepreneurs for dinner last Friday night after I did the public speaking engagement. And um, when we sat down with them, he he asked the question to the group. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to build my offer and this is the sticking point. Cause we were going doing like a round Robin thing, um, saying our wins, saying our struggle, and then having people give us feedback. And they all told him and started asking him, you know, if you want to build this offer, do you know that you can deliver the different pieces of the offer? He's like, absolutely. 100%. I've done it time and time again. They're like, okay, well, if you know that you can deliver it, then what's holding you back? And it's one of those things where people think that they have to build out the processes. They have to build out the strategy in advance. They think that they have to build out the, the like programs or the Excel spreadsheets or the documents and all of that. But I'm telling you that you actually, as soon as you sell it, you start working with the people and you discover gaps that certain people have that you don't even realize because yeah. you're so focused on the solution. You know what the, the end result looks like that you don't see their gaps because you don't have those gaps. Maybe it was easy for you and that's how you got there, but other people need some of those easy things that you have to offer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's taken me so long to really embrace that. Um, and I gotta be honest one of the next, one of the next things we're, we're going to be launching, it's, um, podcast related, I can say, um, is the first time I'm fully embracing it. I'm fully embracing and the transparency too. Like there, that's another, that's another level of, of safety. So I feel like I felt exactly the same way as your husband did when, when putting things out that weren't ready yet. And what made me feel better about it is, Hey, we're, this is the idea we're building this for you. 
join, sign up now and help us build it. And what that does, and I kind of did this by accident with the, the company four or five years ago back in New York, um, that, that interaction develops a relationship with the client and now they're advocates because not only do they, they know that what, they're, what is being built is for them, but it's also by them. So they're comfortable expressing what this new company is and why it's awesome to all their friends and colleagues and family whoever could benefit from it, of course. So it's, it's, it makes so it there's, yeah, it's scary. It's very scary. It's very scary, you know? Um, but yeah, I've just taken enough lumps to know that I didn't need to take all those lumps and to put in hours and hours and miss birthday parties and, you know, sleep in because I was working too late at night to build something that wasn't necessary where I had to go back and change. So yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think what you just said right there could be a really great piece of content. <laughs> just talking about talking about the idea of you know if you're trying to build your offer before you sell it, how many hours how many hours are you going to be spending away from your family? That's going to end up like if it doesn't sell, how many hours are you going to be spending away from the people you love most? Yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, it's you know, if I had to break it down even further, there's a price, cost, and a value to every action. You know, and that's definitely a cost. It's definitely a cost. So, yeah. So when, when, you know, using, using this, this like idea with, um, with Facebook groups, would you necessarily, so how do you leverage Facebook groups in this, in this context, in this? Um, okay. So really broad question, kind of, kind of vague. Um, so you said in this context, which is vague, um, I don't know if anyone on your podcast has ever jumped into Jarvis and I love Jarvis and I love mm -hmm. how Jarvis helps me stay in that creative mode without like my head hurting. Um, but at the same time, Jarvis has a tendency to put vague things out there. So like this context would be a Jarvis kind of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the more you use Jarvis, the vague, the more vague you will get if you're not used to editing Jarvis and making it less vague. So this context being the um, build it for them instead of um, before them. Okay. Um, I see what you're saying. So like the idea of the offer, like building an offer and selling the offer beforehand. Yeah. So um, actually the, the process that we use for groups is very different. Um, what I do with groups is when I get a client for the first time, we go through a one-to-one -one call. And on that very first call, I do an exercise that many people have heard about before um, and are familiar with. Um, some people call it seven whys. Some people call it five whys. Some people call it seven levels deep. Um, I call it seven levels deep because that's how I heard it first. But I do it very strategically for the reason why the business exists in the first place. And um, to give you one example of a client that I did this with, um, his name his name is Logan and he actually helps contractors market their business. And what we did was we started with the question, like, why do you want to help contractors do better marketing in, in the, like, and he helps very specific mm -hmm. ones. So in like the landscaping industry. And as we went through the seven levels deep, what we got to in the end was that when he was a kid, he was standing up in front of, he was standing up in front of people in class and he was giving like his presentation or answering questions and people would question him and make him feel bad and make him doubt himself. And then he lost his confidence and it felt really awful. And he was like, I'm tired in the contracting industry. It is standard for a contractor to go out. And then people have made it to where they're shopping around with two or three contractors and they're getting, they're shopping around different price points. And then they, they pick the bid that they want to go with and they pick it based on price rather than on the contractor's caliber. Mm -hmm. And he's like, his mission for his community is to help end the price shopping in the general contracting space. And so, um, that's what his community is all about. His community, um, in February, he had, uh, his ads shut down four times. He was already like, his business is amazing. He was already doing like hundred K months, um, last year, whenever he came to me and, um, in February they had their ads shut down. So everything that he was generating up to that point was based on ads. When he built his group, his group with less than 500 members in February was able to still hit almost 200 K 
Mm. with ads being shut down because he has such an amazing community built because people are being nurtured because they're actually hanging out in the community because he's giving, he's giving some value that makes the free community valuable that makes even clients want to come back to the free community. So do they have a client only area and community for that? Yes, they do. But they also have their free community and even the clients want to come back to it because there's so much value being added in the free community as well. So, um, Again, that's what we start with is that deep resonating reason, like why would other contractors like get in uproars and get like mm -hmm. really passionate about, about joining the community and helping to further the mission. So, I mean, essentially he's getting paid for it and he's making money off of it, but at the same yeah. time, he's also driving home a really big mission that, that a lot of people can stand behind and he's being a voice for the voiceless. Mm. It, that's very, very important. And I think, I think there's a common thread uh, uh, through business right now when it comes to our purpose, that that is something like that. Like how you said that res it, it, it came from um, something when he was younger, right? And kind of like boiled over to now it's mission. Now it's, I don't want anybody to feel this way. Um, and that was, it, you know, kind of a little plug for myself, but that's exactly what this is. This was, I was at the my highest peak and then I crumbled panic attacks, you know, I just, I broke. And then, and I'm like, no, that's not acceptable. Not for me, not for anybody. Um, so I definitely resonate with that guy's story tenfold. And it's, it's, it's good to hear every once in a while that, that, that's people are doing things from their heart. They're not just chasing dollars because people, people vote with their dollars, right? You know, they don't, yeah. they're not, they don't just spend their dollars anymore. So that, that's really great to hear a story like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I have lots, I have lots. I actually, I actually have, and like on a podcast, nobody will be able to see this, but you can see it because we're on, we're on video right now. But, um, one of my clients, she started yeah. a movement called healing healthcare burnout. And, um, last year during COVID, there were so many people in the healthcare industry that were getting completely burned out because they were, they were having to go to work all the time, but work conditions were really, really bad. Yeah. And so she, I don't even remember how many clients she was getting a month. I remember, um, she was running ads at the time and we actually sat down and we talked about what the deep mission and purpose was behind their business. And so you'll see like on the, on the bottom underneath, it says beat the burn, find fulfillment and jump into joy. So she has her three resonating statements. And the idea behind that is, is that these are the things that they talk about month over month. These are the these are the reasons that, or the things that help people go from being somebody who's burned out to being somebody who's no longer burned out. Yes. And, um, and so that's what we build, like all of the content around. That's what we build the group around is around those deep resonating reasons of why and how people can go from point A to point B. Yeah. I, I would love to talk to her. If you can connect us, that'd be so <laughs> awesome because I think we're going to be best friends because that is exactly exactly how I feel like you can burn. It's, it's very interesting to me. I, Tony Robbins had some, some quote about it uh, that I'm going to butcher right now, or maybe just <laughs> abandon completely. Um, but it was basically talking about like burnout happens when is when you're not totally in flow or with joy in what you're executing, what your activity is, you know, because it becomes, uh, you know, going like uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, like neurotransmitters, they'll, they'll, they'll get smaller if you're stressed out, you know, and if you're bothered by something, whether it's perspective or actual, um, you'll, you'll just not want to do it anymore. And that's that burnout is like just a mental rust that we don't need. And if we can approach something with joy, which it sounds like, it sounds like she hit, what's the name of her company? Um, healing healthcare burnout. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's, and they need, healing health, healthcare, healthcare is, is, is one of those things. It's like that and police officers and military, like they, we need to run, uh, um, the first responders. Yeah. We need to run like a mental health study on them. And I think that can echo out into, to a general, uh, study to where like, what's going on as far as like cortisol levels, uh, and, and, and everything. And like, how they handle stress and how they um, manage it, I should say, not handle it, but manage it. And I think we can learn a lot about them because they have high level training and super high stressful jobs um, where, you know, some people, some people get stressed because of traffic. Yeah. You know, 
I'm not, I'm not administering any medicine that can conflict with some other medicine. Like that's stressful, man. <laughs> I don't care how long you go to school for that's stressful. Um, that's great. That's great. So going, going back to, uh, to, uh, the Facebook pages, the, when, when Facebook groups, Facebook groups, I have to correct groups. you there. People no, do this all you. the time. No, no, no. So Facebook page is something very different that actually gets a lot lower um, hit in the algorithm mm. versus Facebook groups. So on your Facebook page, um, Facebook page gets lowered in the algorithm because the whole idea behind a Facebook page is you can run ads with it. So mm. they want you to pay to get good traction on it. So Facebook pages, yeah. they have one of the lowest rankings in the algorithm. So the only reason I pay, uh, post on my Facebook page right now is just because we're testing out some ad stuff and I wanna make yeah. sure that there's at least something there. <laughs> yeah, when you say that, no, I, I'd like to actually talk to you more about that a little bit because I'm about to do the same thing and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself because it, it seems that Facebook's pages have very low value in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I'm, but I also, it is, um, it is an indicator when it comes to like, when was your most recent post, you know, and how, how is your engagement? People do look at that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm about to run ads. Should I be throwing things up there? So to keep it relevant. Um, so for Facebook page, if you're running ads, I would recommend posting at least once a week and posting mm -hmm. something that's going to be relevant for people to see. Um, so whenever somebody goes through the scroll, you want something in there like a testimonial, you want something in there that yeah. um, is like super eye-catching that's maybe got some kind of a CTA or call to action in it. Um, the whole idea is you're basically like if you've ever read any of Russell Brunson's books talking about um, the the sale the selling cycle or the buying cycle and people's mindsets um, going through that or the awareness stages is you want to help people who are seeing your ad become more aware so they need to be problem aware know what their problem is they need to be product aware know that you have products that can solve their problem they need to be they need to like know and trust you so you need to have like a few things that personalize you as a person um, those are the kind of things that you'd want to have on there if the only purpose for your page is just for when people from ads are clicking over. Um, if you actually want to gain organic traffic to your page, then you want to give people a reason to look for your page without relying on the algorithm. So gotcha. um, what I recommend for that is like any kind of entertainment that people would be excited to look for weekly and it would need to be consistent. Um, same thing with like any kind of news, like industry news or something like that um, would be really good for that as well or like giving some kind of live or some kind of post that you're going to do every single week. That is something that would make people want to come back for more week over week. Um, that's the kind of stuff that you would put on your page to get organic traffic. That's, that's really, really good advice. That's, um, and it's smart too. It's smart too. It, it definitely, the, those books are pretty, pretty epic. I resisted them for a long time because everybody was running to them and talking about how awesome they were. I'm like, they can't be that great, but I fell in love as soon as I listened to them. Um, Okay. So, so when it comes to Facebook groups, not pages, groups, <clears throat> it's my understanding that you can't run paid traffic to them. So how, how do people, how do people get around that? Um, so primarily what I coach my clients to do is organic traffic. Um, and I actually pulled uh, my strategy. I've been working with communities. Um, mainly I started in local communities and local organizations mm -hmm. and businesses, um, but then jumped into the online world about 13 years ago on a website called Cafe Mom. But um, the idea behind it is that you can grow it organically. You don't have to rely on ads, but if you do use ads, the best way to do it is just to have a landing page. Like, um, I've had a few people come in. I'm not an ads expert, um, by any means. Uh, and so I've had a couple ads experts come in and do trainings for my clients that I put into the portal for them, but they were telling me and telling my clients that, you know, it's pretty reasonable. Like when you're starting out, if you're running ads to your group to get the conversion rate, to get people inside the group at about like five to $10. Hmm. Gotcha. gotcha. So yeah. if you're willing to pay, if you're willing to pay, um, the people who are best for the ads and I'm, I'm about to blast my, one of my competitors here. Um, they actually do, uh, they train people on like building a group, like it's a webinar platform and that's, so they're not actually building a community, but you are building like out part of your funnel. And it's a great way to use it. If you're only interested in doing funnel stuff. Um, if you actually want to build a community, I've had a lot of people who were their client and then came to me later because they wanted an actual community too. Um, and let me just 
preface that by saying that if you're starting out in your business, um, neither one of us would be great because they're going to teach you to go spend a lot of money on ads. You need to have capital and revenue before you start running ads. Because right. um, what I've heard from some of my some of the best people I know in ads, um, like Chelsea Morrissey, whose business is incredible, Alcee, um, Kimmins, uh, who's one of my new clients, uh, she just jumped on with me and Nate for uh, one of our joint offers. Um, both of them recommend you need to have at least 10K a month to spend in ads to really gain traction, to really test things out, to really um, move things forward. And that's for Facebook ads. Um, don't ask me about YouTube. You want YouTube stuff, go talk to Alaric. Um, but that being said, if you don't have that money, you don't want to start with ads. You want to start with like organic traffic and you want to get a few things sold. Um, I actually did a live a couple of weeks ago man, I'm bunny trailing. I like, you'll stop me if it's, if I'm going off too far, no, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, no. cool. I'm, I'm listening. I'm in. <laughs> okay. So, um, on my live a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the different subcultures inside of groups. Yeah. And, um, this is what happens when you get past like a few thousand people in the group, you start noticing subcultures. There's, there's two different types of subcultures that you can gear your offers towards. <sighs> And um, one is going to be towards like the buyer's awareness stage. And so like what part of the market are they in? So are they brand new to the market? Are they, you know, pretty established in the market? Or are they like somebody who's well-established, been there a while as a veteran and gearing your offer towards those different segments? Um, the other one is going to be, it's going to be like actual niches, like basing it on niches. So you'll notice in like business owner groups, you'll get in there, even in coach groups, you'll notice there's mindset coaches. And then there's a whole like target audience of business coaches. But then even in the business coaching, like you can niche that to marketing coaches, sales coaches, um, ads coaches, like there's all different kinds of coaches. And so um, those are going to be like niching down and creating different offers based on the niches. And so one of the things that I recommend if somebody's starting out new in business, especially an online business, unless they're like wanting to do e-commerce, in which case I have other people I can recommend for e-commerce. But um, if you're going to be a coach or you're going to have any kind of a high ticket offer at any point, I would start with the high ticket offer and start with your core offer that you're going to give to your absolute ideal client. And then on the front end, whenever you do build out your front end offer, what I call that is your guru offer. That's kind of like a one size fits all. It's good for everybody. And it's going to help everybody, including your current clients. Like you never want to have a front end offer where your current clients are like, eh, I don't need that. You want it to be something else that's also juicy for them too. And then, um, and then you have the back end offer that's going to be for the people who are you know, the best of the best who need more and who need a little bit more intensive stuff. And so um, we start with those, but then inside of groups, there's this really cool dynamic in a community where you can start offering swag, uh, like the Jarvis community just, just started doing, yeah. um, but you can yeah. make money off of the swag. Um, you can also, you can also have like memberships, whether it be monthly or yearly memberships, um, I recommend monthly over yearly because it gives you that MRR, that monthly recurring revenue. And then there's also um, like events that you can start hosting, whether that's a yearly in-person event or it's um, because we do a lot of online stuff and there's like all this talk about stuff shutting down again. You can do online events, which people would love to be a part of that could be trainings or just meet and greets or whatever. And you can make money off of those too. Uh, one of the very first groups that I started with with, um, helping to monetize that was a Facebook group was actually a local community. And we started a women entrepreneurs movement in the local area. And I showed her how to get featured on the news. And I showed her how to get like public speaking engagements at the local university and other groups and communities that were there that she needed to get plugged into to help grow it. And so it's one of those things where there's so many different ways to monetize groups, but the very first thing you want to start with is the, the capital backing from yourself. You could go out and you could get, you could get in debt for that. And there are opportunities of when that's a good decision to make. But if you're just starting out in business and you're not even clear on what your offer is, you know, or you're not even clear that you want to definitely stick with this offer forever, you definitely don't want to go into debt for that. <laughs> so, um, I was actually answering your question earlier about um, 
inside of groups, I, I don't remember what your exact question was, but I was going to talk about like the clients and communities guys, they actually build a webinar style group and they run ads to the group. And so you get to learn about pixeling, you get to learn about email campaigns. I don't know if they provide templates or not, because I've never actually gone through it. I just know that I've had a lot of clients who went through their stuff first and then came to me because they actually wanted to build a community. Um, what I teach people how to do is build a community that nurtures because um, the top 15% of the market are the people who are ready to buy right away. But the next percentage of the market are the people who need more time and they need to be nurtured and email campaigns just don't do it anymore. And that next percentage of the market is 61%. So 61% needs to be nurtured. So when we build out our communities, what we're building is we're building a community where they want to stay. They want to hang out. They never want to leave. And they're really excited to bring other people into the community. They love being there. They you know, it's actually really easy to pull volunteers from the community to help manage and run the group. And, um, and I give my clients drop-in templates for managing volunteers too, because I've worked with, um, man, I'm trying to think how old was I when I started actually helping out with volunteer communities? I think I was 13. I was 13. So I've been doing it for more than two decades. Um, but like actually building out those volunteer communities and helping people to um, drive on that mission and purpose that you set the group for and the community for. Anyways, I jumped on a big tangent there. That was a long answer to your question. But it was a good answer. It covered a lot of ground. It was, it was a 360 answer, as I like to call it. Um, so the, yeah, no, I totally agree with, with the, I think a lot of us get a, um, uh, ideas and they make a plan and they feel comfortable with the plan, but they don't evaluate the risk properly yet. Um, and I've, I've, I speak from personal experience. Um, I've done this a million times to where I, I take an unsustainable action. Like, all right, I'm going to do a thousand dollars in ad spend. And, and then I'm like, Oh, I, this is obviously a while ago. But it's like, Oh, I don't have that thousand dollars anymore. I couldn't afford to start doing that. So therefore like the momentum's not wasted. It's just, yeah, it just starts to crumble behind you. Yeah. And then, then you lose a lot of things, you know? Oh you man. I wish, I wish this was interactive and I wish we could just ask all the people listening right now. So if you're listening and, and you hear this portion of it where he was just talking about like making that decision to spend the thousand dollars, but it wasn't a sustainable action. If you've ever done that before, I don't care if you have to comment on the podcast or if you have to go find his page or YouTube. whatever Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on YouTube, go look on YouTube, look there. Um, wherever you are watching this, if you've listened up to this point, like comment and let us know, um, have you ever felt that? Like, did that hit home? Cause when he said that it hit home for me about not having the means to sustain that decision. Yeah. And, it, and there's, a, there's a short-term feeling too, right? Cause you have to battle these emotions because there's, there's the emotion of it's not sustainable and you get to the end of it and you know, you're bummed about this decision you just made, but then there's this other tricky one that makes you want to go the wrong way. And that's the, but I want what I want and I want it now. Mm. Right. The, 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 the petulant child in me is like, no, I want to do this. I can do this, but you really have to plan it out. Start smaller. If you have to uh, bring in some help, have a smaller plan alter just a little bit. So, you know, you know that no matter what happens, there's, there's uh, stages and phases of what you're doing. Uh, save up the money first. There's so many millions of ways to yeah. make well, it happen right. So, so I think saving up the money, like if, if there's somebody out there who's considering being an entrepreneur and you're listening to this podcast because you um, heard about the entrepreneur's hierarchy of needs and you're trying to figure out like, well, how can I make sure not to procrastinate? Or how do I take a million ideas and figure out which one I want to run with? And, you know, what do I do when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm just barely getting started? If I feel overwhelmed now, will I even be able to sustain this? Um, the answer is yes, you will. And you'll be able to make it through. But it, I mean, if you're just starting, I don't recommend, I don't recommend that you go out there and try to do any other kind of business, start with a high ticket offer. It's going to be one of the easiest things you ever do. You are a few steps ahead of somebody. You can create an offer easily. If you get the right coach to show you how to do it. Um, I've done it. Traffic and funnels has a great one. Sam ovens has a great one. There's a few other people out there. I think clients and communities also coaches on offers as well. There's a lot of different coaches out there who can coach on offer building. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But that being said, you create that high ticket offer and you start there, be your own capital backer. Don't, don't yeah. go beg, borrow and steal, um, which was the phraseology from <laughs> back in the day. Don't go beg, and borrow and steal. One. It was a big yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go beg, borrow and steal to do it. Be your own capital backer. You have an idea, go pitch it. You're going to be, yeah. you're going to be an amazing salesperson for your offer without even being spammy, just because you're passionate about the results that you can help people achieve. So there's no reason why you shouldn't just build your offer. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And um, kind of jumping back a little bit, uh, I want to uh, shout out Alex Ramosi and his new book, uh, $100 million offer. I have it. It's, I have it. It's oh, gigantic. <laughs> it's so damn good. And like, I'm, I'm fanboying a little bit, but I have, I hate reading books because of how much fluff there is. He has a beautiful setup and then just knocks it down with information and then tells you where to get more tactical information. Well, you know, you know why he's doing that, right? To acquire your company <laughs> eventually. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, eventually, um, because only the only people that he works with are people who already have million dollar businesses. So he was like, how yeah. can I create more million dollar businesses? So this mm -hmm. is his guru offer. This book yeah. is his guru offer. So his guru offer is teaching people on the lower level. And like, you can go try to do this yourself and you can try to execute on what he says in the book yourself, but I guarantee you, you're going to have a much easier and much quicker result. If you get a coach, um, I will say that, mm -hmm. oh, but yeah. what he teaches in there, I paid, I paid 10 K to learn that, but I also had yeah. a coach guiding me along the way and giving me feedback on whether or not what I was creating was exactly what was in there. But he's doing that because the people who are just starting out are not his target market. So he can give that away for pennies on the dollar because he's going to make way more money if these people will actually build a great offer, start a great business, get to a million dollars, be like, what the F do I do now? You know, pardon my, yeah. <laughs> pardon my uh, language there. But if he can get them to that point of having that million dollar company and stagnating, he's just built himself a bunch of mm -hmm. new business for himself. Um, and then he's setting himself up as the guru for that. So it was very brilliant of him to do that. I, I agree. And I think it's, it's done ethically. No one loses, you know, I, and from, from what I've known of, of him and stuff like that, he's, he's direct. Like there's no usually hidden agenda. Like he's pretty blunt about that. He's like his whole company acquisition is it's called acquisition.com. Like that's his website. Like it doesn't get more uh, on the nose than that. I, um, I do feel like he has a little bit of a hidden agenda because at the end of the audio book, he says, he says, you know, and now if you've already built out your offer and you've already got this, now you need the, like whatever the hundred million acquisition client acquisition. And I was all like, yeah. And he's like, so go get the hundred million client acquisition. And I was like, it is not out yet. I Ooh. want the book now, <laughs> you know? So there, there, there was yeah. a little bit, little bit of an yeah. agenda. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to be a three volume piece. I mean, yeah. let's just hope that it turns into a 20 volume piece. I mean, I feel like, I feel like he probably has enough. So very validated when, when he started talking about uh, the only people, um, I'm sorry, the only things that sell is health, relationships, and wealth programming and stuff like that. I was like, I feel pretty valid, valid, validated because of that. But anyway, this isn't Alex's podcast. Well, hopefully he'll be <laughs> on later on. <laughs> so let's get back to, uh, to Facebook groups. Um, so <laughs> what, what are some, what are some, to do's right off the bat. If someone's like, I need to start a Facebook group. Cause I think a lot of us can get pushed erroneously into, into that bucket before really thinking it through. So what do people have to take in consideration before actually pulling that trigger? Um, if you build it, they, they will not come. Like you mm. actually have to take action to invite people. So whether that's you know, I actually see ads as like a level three kind of problem. Like if you're just right. starting out, you don't need to be running ads to your group. Um, you need to get a really good culture in place because if you run ads to the group, you're going to get a ton of people in there, but what's going to make them stick around. You're going to, um, I like to call it hemorrhaging money. Um, if you're just running ads to the group, but you don't have a reason for people to stay. Um, so one of the things that I notice a lot is people will build groups. Uh, they start with a really big mission and purpose. They get a lot of people in there. They gain a lot of traction, like getting warm butts and seats is one of the easiest things you'll ever do. 
but um, actually making them stay is the hard part. And so I see a lot of groups that start, they do really well in the beginning, and then they have this big drop off where the group just kind of dies and fizzles out. And so you have to give people a reason to want to come back. You have to give people a reason to stay. Um, so everything that we're doing, we build it for the initial sales because we want to get that initial sales process, but we're also at the same time building it for longevity because who starts a business that they intend to have it fail within the first five years? Nobody does. And yet there's more than a 50% uh, rate from the better business. Was it the better business? No, it's the small business association, Um, SBA, right? SBA, right. SBA puts out those stats. So it's more than 50% of businesses are closing their doors within the first five years. Yeah. So, I mean, but who goes into business with the intention of being closed in five years? Nobody, nobody wants to Mm -hmm. launch a business only for a year. Yeah. So um, the idea is when you're building out your offer and when you're building out what you do, you want to build it for longevity and you want to build it to where it's able to adapt because the market is constantly shifting and changing. Like for instance, um, one of the things that I started coining a phrase of last year is um, in May of 2020 in the, in the height and the peak of COVID um, and everything being shut down, I did a training inside of, um, inside of traffic and funnels. Well, actually inside their um, client only group client kit. And it was about viral questions. And I took that, that actually became one of my best two steps that I have, or my best opt-in offers or lead magnets or whatever your phraseology is. And um, those viral questions that I showed people how to do, um, everybody started using them. And then all of a sudden, all these groups were flooded with viral questions and everyone was asking, you've probably seen one yourself. Uh, One of the more popular ones over the last several months has been like, what could you talk on or riff on for 15 minutes without any kind of preparation? Because I think uh, TED Talk is roughly Mm -hmm. around that time. So that was a huge one. It went across lots of different groups and um, it kind of burned, like this is what I call burning the fields. They kind of burn the fields with that. And Mm. so everybody was doing the viral questions and I was training everybody how to do it. And I trained my market, like the people who actually came to me and learned how to do it instead of just copycatting, I was training them how to be forward thinkers and how to think about creating and generating their own kind of questions instead of just copying other people's. And the reason behind that is that if you do the same thing that everyone else is doing, it burns the fields really fast and that no longer works and you have to find something else. And so you have to be able to adapt over time. So you want to build for longevity and you want to understand how to think. And so I'm, I'm teaching my clients the strategies and the tactics that are working right now, but I'm also teaching them how to think so that they can adapt in the future. Cause I don't want somebody to work with me. And then after they stop working with me, it no longer works. I want yeah. them to have the skills necessary to be able to, do that in the future too. Yeah. It's the adage of teaching someone to fish versus giving them the fish. Yes. That's pretty, yeah. And, and something that's it's, um, extra powerful to the point you're just making is when we were talking before about there's uh, business coaches, well, what type of business coach, right? So each of like, say there's five, right? So each one of them can potentially be forward thinking and ask a similar question, but it's from a different place, which yields a different result. So by being forward thinking, you're not being indoctrinated by what has happened. You're being, you're able to create what will happen. And and it's a totally different, totally different frame of reference in life. If you can, if you can take what you have and digest it into something more beautiful. I have a really interesting example. Um, So talking about the viral questions and I challenge anyone who's actually listened this far, you know, you guys are rock stars. I know listening to lots of podcasts, um, can be time consuming. And so if you listen this far, you're amazing. I love you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Again, my name is Sierra Lewick. You can find me, you can find me all over social media on Facebook. Um, but that being said, (laughs) plug, um, that being said, I asked a question the other day on my profile and I was using this during a content creation training I was doing last week. And so the question that I asked, um, and I never even responded to people. It had 34 comments. If I'd actually responded to people, it would have kicked it up in the algorithm more, but I said, creating content is the most important part of marketing true or false. Okay. One of the people I was training on Friday that was sitting in the audience, he went and he took mine and he adapted it for his market. And let me pull up in his. So mine had 
mine had 34 comments and it was people, most of them said false, which is interesting because people also spend, um, in another post that I asked about, people also spend the majority of their time on content creation. And yet most people believe that it's not the most important part of their business. So whole, whole other segment and talk that we could have there. But, um, he took that viral question that I did and I'm just going to pop open his and see how he adapted it. Um, he said, there's a lack of financial education in our country, true or false, because he teaches people about financial stuff. And he, within, he was like, within two hours, it already has, it already has 28 comments. It, and I'm looking at it now, it has 58 comments and I'm going and looking, he barely even responded to anybody on this. Wow. And so, I mean, it's just like, once you know how to think and you adapt it, it does become mm -hmm. new information. So um, it's funny because some of the people that commented on his were friends. We have mutual friends. And so they also commented on mine. And for them, it was two different pieces of information because they're not just copying what the other person's doing. They're adapting it for their market yeah. and for their niche. Yeah. Adaptation is, is where gold comes from. Because it's inspiration, right? That's the, you're, you adapt because you're inspired by. That's, I think that's where that all comes from. And that's, you know, that's where value comes from and content is supposed to be valuable. Um, that, that's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't think I've, I don't think I'm that cool. I don't think I've had 53 comments, <laughs> maybe, maybe somewhere in, in, in history. Um, um, so if you, if you want the viral questions training, I'm happy to send it over to you. The majority of people who actually go through the training, which he didn't, um, I was teaching on content creation and teaching frameworks. So he just took it and like adapted what he saw. He didn't even go through my little training. I have like a five minute video training. Um, but most of the people who go through that, they go post in a group and they get like a hundred comments. And that's pretty, mm. that's pretty common. Uh, one of my clients, we worked on refining his skill with the viral questions and he got it to, um, of his target audience. So everyone who commented was his target audience. And so the first one, I think he got around like a hundred and he was like super stoked. The next one, he got like 300. The next one after that, he got 800 within 24 hours. Wow. And then the next one after that, he got 2,200 within 24 hours, 2,200 of his Lord. target audience commenting on it. So, yeah. So here, it's actually funny that you're mentioning this because I've actually, I developed uh, for each, for each leg of Ihan. Uh, there's a section of questions, relationship, recreation, all that. So we've developed them as, to be viral questions. So it's interesting that you're bringing this up. And the, the big question, uh, and one of the things that we're testing is how to convey the question. We've tried just simple text. We've tried uh, the image text. And then we actually created our own, um, our own like background with, with the, the, I can't even think what's the word I'm looking for with the font, a special font and all that stuff, making it all pretty, pretty uh, with the branding. And now we're testing speaking of the question, actually making a video of, I have a question for you, or today's question is X, Y, Z and seeing what kind of engagement. Do you have any insight on, on what mm -hmm. has worked better, what your feelings are on it? Um, this is how I do all of my viral questions. I use okay. one of the stock backgrounds that Facebook does. Um, yeah. I don't let Facebook do like the, we pose this as a question that does not get it more reach in spite mm. of what they say. Um, I take that off of there. Um, the idea is, and this is in my training, but the idea behind a viral question is it needs to be something that's extremely low pressure for people to respond yeah. to. So like the binary questions where you have like true or false, or you have ABC or one, two, three, like where people are picking and selecting options. Or um, if it's like a one word answer, like you could go post and I've, I've used this example before, but you could go post on your social media, um, which is better vanilla or chocolate. And it's going to be, it's kind of one of those at war things where you're going to get a lot of people answering yeah. one or the other um, because people love sharing their opinion, but it's also really low pressure to just put chocolate or some people will be goofy and put a GIF or they'll put a little image or whatever. Um, you know, if you said chocolate is the best, true or false, well, now you're making it more polarizing. And so when you make it yeah. more polarizing and you give a T or F, it is so low um, effort cost for people to put an F or to, for people to put a T. Um, so it really like, it stops the scroll long enough to get them to comment. And then it, then you can kick up a conversation. So if you're doing this about your business, 
it's really easy to kick up conversations. Like I could go to any of my viral questions and see where people commented about like content creation isn't that important. I could be like, well, how much time do you spend on it? Yeah. So somebody who just put an F, but now I have the opportunity to open up that conversation and all they did was drop a letter. And so it was extremely low cost to get my foot in the door to have that conversation. So it's really interesting that you're, you're, you're saying that because yesterday I started deploying a little bit of a tactic where I ask a question and if I get enough um, responses, then I'll ask another question in the comments, alerting everybody. And then they start chiming in on that second question because they've are, there's a, it's not sunk cost, but they're already involved. So it's, it's less difficult for them to continue. And that's so showing some promise. So <laughs> it's funny that you're testing out these things. I'm like, eh. um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about my cost for that. So if I go down and I just randomly in the comments, ask another question, and then I hope that it's going to kick up conversation underneath, um, that's going to be a high cost for me. Um, mm -hmm. what I'd rather do, what I'd rather do is I'd rather ask the question, like to give you an example. Um, and I've done this a lot of times before. I think we're about to hit the one hour mark here in like three minutes. Um, but like, for example, I asked, uh, what's the best steak you've ever had? This was actually part of another um, training that we sat through. He said, I want you guys to go post an organic post about steak and um, about the best steak you've ever had. You can describe it. You can do this. And so I just asked that question because viral questions is what I do. And it got 56 comments. I haven't even responded to somebody. So what I might do is um, somebody on here might have said that they like the A5 Wagyu. And I'm going to be like, wow, when were you able to finally afford A5 Wagyu in your business right. journey? Like what point was your business at when you decided A5 Wagyu was affordable? You know, I could go in and ask that. Now I'm specifically talking about business, but the post was about steak, yeah. you know, and I can go ask them specifically. So I can look through here. I can target people. I can think, okay, this person's not a prospect. I'm not even going to waste time. This person is a prospect. And I wanted to keep that conversation going so I can go in strategically to the people that I'm nurturing right now that are going to be potential sales. And I can be really strategic about building those relationships because you have to focus your attention on the people you can help right now. If you can't help them right now, then the best thing to do is to get them involved in some other thing. Like if you did a training or like your podcast, sending them to a podcast episode where it's not going to take up your time, but it's going to give them value that they need. Because if you yeah. can't, if you can't help them with your higher ticket offer, or if you can't help them with coaching right now, there's no point in wasting time in a conversation that's not beneficial for both of you. Help give them some kind of training that's going to get them to the level where you can help them. And then mm -hmm. now it's extremely a valuable exchange. Yeah. So that just uh, sparked a whole bunch of thoughts. So I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm going to try and do one at a time. So it doesn't, yeah. I'm not going to be speaking in tongues. So only one thing. Okay. So with, when it comes to Facebook groups, uh, I've had recently a, um, I feel like this has become a coaching session. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. Oh my gosh. You should see my sales calls. It's like one of my biggest problems. I'm like, you can't coach Sierra. You can't coach Sierra. Mm -hmm. You have to just, you have to get them sold on the offer and then yep. you can coach them. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Go so ahead. The, the um, there's different types of Facebook groups, right? And they're, they're not very clear on the, the pros and cons or features and benefits of when you choose one. Uh, the one that I chose for the longest time, uh, shameless plug for my entrepreneur's hierarchy of needs uh, Facebook group um, is it was a, um, oh, they just changed the name of it. It was like a social learning platform and now they changed it to something else. Is that valuable? I, I, I actually found very low value in it personally. Have you seen in, in changing in, in changing the group? I, no, in, in, in using it as social learning, like having the guides and the, um, the courses and stuff in there. Um, so I inside of groups, inside of groups, you can do that. Um, if you have certain videos that have really great CTAs in them that are going to help people, because I mean, if somebody is watching, like somebody listens to this podcast episode, are they going to get some really amazing golden nuggets that they can go and apply immediately? Yes. Is this going to help them achieve, like, say they're stuck at 10 K months. Is this one podcast episode going to help them achieve hundred K month? No. And so 
do you want them to only listen to the podcast and get one golden nugget that they can go apply? No, we want them to actually get the tools that they need to achieve the goal that they have. Like, I don't know what their purpose is for wanting to get to hundred K month, but it's probably something wicked. Awesome. It's either they're going to be taking care of their family. They're going to be helping out their community. They have like some deep resonating reason that they want to invest in. Um, whatever the case may be listening to one training or hearing one guide is not going to get them there. They need strategic help. And so my videos that I do on Facebook are specifically geared at giving people something that they could go apply immediately, get a result on, come back and be like, Sierra, this helped me so much. Thank you. I could be like, cool. What did you do? What did you apply? And I can ask them, you know, well, what's your, what's your big goal right now? Or like, what else are you struggling with? I might have some other trainings that would help you. And then I can actually, like a lot of people are scared to ask for help. Most entrepreneurs want to be the, I did it person. Yeah. And so they don't want to ask for help. So as a leader, you have to be the one reaching out. And so that's essentially what I'm doing in my videos. I'm having some kind of a lead magnet call to action where I'm giving them an opportunity to low pressure, reach out to me and ask for the small thing so that I can really reach out to them and help them. And yeah. so it's like my inbound outbound crossover <laughs> strategy, but the, the idea there inside of groups, like, um, the only time that I would use the guides is if I'm taking people on a strategic journey to get them to the point of asking for help because most people won't. Yeah, that that's, that's important because it's, there's a transaction. Once it's asked, they take on responsibility or asked for, they take on the responsibility of, okay, now I asked for it. So there's probably going to be a follow-up. You know, so yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to, it's the words. There's, there's actually a term for it. That I'm not going to, not going to repeat for it here. Um, but, but yeah, when you ask someone for advice or help and then you take up their time and then don't use it, that's like the worst. Like I, I've, I've been on both sides of it. Right. I felt like garbage when someone was like, yo, I just gave you extremely valuable information, like actionable information that will change things for you. And you didn't do it kid. Like why? So I, I think, you know, holistically in business, no matter what business you're in, it's okay to ask, uh, require an ask for value, even if it's free. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, so wrapping things up, we are hitting that hour mark. What is something that you want to leave people with um, as far as advice, uh, direction, anything that's on your mind, anything that you feel is pertinent right now? Um, well, one of the things that we talked a lot about today was viral questions. Mm. Um, it's one of, it's actually, I dropped, it's one of my hardest hitting two steps ever. I have more than 200 comments on it now, um, on this lead magnet, on my personal profile, um, people asking for, um, I'm doing like a swipe file with more than 60 viral questions that I've found over the last year. I think it's actually more than that, but I, I don't know the exact number. I had my VA put it all together for everybody. Um, but I'm going to start something really cool on my page, uh, in the coming weeks where I'm going to do like my top five of the week of viral questions that I found and post it up on my page. And so if you guys go out and test out a viral question today, or at some point after you listen to this podcast or watch this on YouTube, if you go test it out, send me your viral question. Um, if it did really well, and you might be one of the five that I post up in the future. Um, but but yeah, no, viral questions are a great way to get your foot in the door. So don't, don't knock the small things. Um, yeah. Like whenever you're, it, if you think about it, like at a relationship, like when you're building a relationship for the first time, you don't go up to a bar and ask somebody to marry you, mm. <laughs> you know, you go up to them and you, you <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I have a funny story about that. I am not married to the person who said it to me, but I was walking through the mall <laughs> one day and this guy said, oh, damn, that girl's so fine. She looks like my wife. And um, we ended up having a friendship and uh, a relationship for a little bit, but I didn't end up marrying that person. So, you know. <laughs> Um, anyways, that being said, that's not something that you would do that would actually build trust and build a, build a solid start for a relationship. First impressions are everything. And so when you ask your viral question, make sure that you're doing it in a way that's valuable for other people and be interested versus being interesting. It's not yeah. important for you to be the most interesting person in the, in the room. You want to be the most interested because people need to know that they're important to you. Mm -hmm especially in a digital time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. 
Excellent. Uh, I feel like we've touched every topic. Um, and, oh, dude, uh, you have no idea. I have like hours more, hours and hours more. I'm well, just kidding. Maybe Let's. We need, to, uh... maybe we need to do a part two. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm actually thinking about putting together uh, a bunch of trainings. So maybe maybe we can uh, talk about that too. Um, excellent. Yeah, if you Thank if you, you so guys much. want trainings, you have to comment on either the YouTube channel or on the podcast yeah. and let him know because he's not going to build it for no reason. You heard us That's talk true. about offers earlier. It needs to be asked for. That's the exchange. Just ask for it. I'll build it. I'll be happy to build it. I'll give it to you for free. I just, <laughs> I just want to know what to build to continue my journey. <laughs> All right. Thank you everybody for listening and watching. Uh, Sierra, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure and I hope there's a part two. Take thank care. you. Thank you again for joining us. And if you like what we're doing with the entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs and want to show your support, the best way to show some love is to subscribe and leave us an honest review. We also have a Facebook group where we continue these types of conversations and so much more for all of our continued growth. I can't wait to see you in there.